0: Welcome to the Michelle Miao Show, your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. Thank you so much for joining us here on this beautiful, beautiful Thursday afternoon. Woke up this morning, heard the birds, the, the, the garbage trucks, and I was okay <laughs> with it just because it is so incredibly beautiful in San Francisco. And we're here at the Commonwealth Club with my co-host, John Zipper. Hey, Michelle. Welcome again. Yeah, it's always good to be. It's the best day of the week. It's Little Friday. <laughs> and so Little Friday is when you start pre-partying a little bit and you just, you know, you're going to ride into the weekend like it's no big deal. This weekend is a big deal because of our guest who's here with us. Since we started promoting this kind of awesome opportunity to have him here with us in this private conversation, there were people who were sending me messages like, Oh, my gosh, he's so incredible. I already got my ticket, so I don't need to go to your show. <laughs> so it's kind of like, all right, well, I guess it's the point of it all is that we want to let you know, be at Feinstein's at the Nico. Let's welcome singer-songwriter Matt Alber. Matt, welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, we're super excited. Uh, I, had, I was telling you right before we got started, there was a woman who sent me a message and said, I'm coming only because of what he looks like. <laughs>
1: Did you say it was a woman?
0: Yeah, I did. That's I'd, very rare. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to out you as a gay man. I, I, you know, not that you're not out, until she got here. So we'll wait for her to get here. I'm sure <laughs> she's going to show up, and then I'll come back and I'll let her know. By the way. You know, uh, incredible singer songwriter, gay Matt Albert.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's totally admiration is admiration.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's tradition here on the program. We start by sharing a coming out story, and it's really, however you you embrace it, so it doesn't have to be the official story. It's just whichever coming out story you want to share.
1: Does it have to be my coming out story? I. I'm just kidding. It it could Um, be the story you would tell this woman if she comes up to you. Okay. Um, Oh, my gosh. Coming out. Golly. I'm 44 now. That feels like ages and ages and ages ago. That's Uh, good. Yeah, it was. uh, That's funny. When when I'm picturing coming out, all I can think of is my high school choir director's office, which is where I came out to my dad. Uh, And she was an awesome lady her name was Jean hauck um she was kind of one of those choir directors that maybe had been doing it for 10 more years than she should have (laughs) (laughs) but um i just kind of remember her as being like this kind of crusty old lesbian who would take smoke breaks during choir (laughs) (laughs) we were like where is she going and she comes back smelling like cigarettes um But, you know, that she definitely saw that I was going through something, you know, and like a good teacher. um, She had her finger on the pulse of what was going on, you know, in her in her choir room. And, uh, you know, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, in a pretty conservative community. Uh, There was no um, gay straight alliance at my school. Um, There was no one I could tell that I was gay. I knew I was gay, you know, ever since I can remember anything, you know, I had a big crush on my babysitter when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't know why I liked him so much. Uh, but I, uh, and I, we also went to a pretty conservative church. Uh, we went to a brand of church called assembly of God, which is quite dramatic and exciting. If you go to one of their services, you'll see lots of hands on the air and jumping up and down and languages you don't understand. And, um, that's kind of like where i I grew up um and yeah i did not feel like i didn't feel like i was normal for sure i knew i I sort of bought that whole what they were teaching me at that church hook line and sinker and so i did the whole trying to pray my gay away saying pretty hardcore for about four years Uh um and now i know that i got an answer to all my prayers, <laughs> because I did not magically turn into um, a straight person. I blossomed into um, this 44 year old gay man, and I'm so happy that um, those prayers uh, were answered in that way. <laughs> I think. And did you lose your faith along the way, or did you?
2: I work, lost. Manage to work the two
1: together. You know, I lost that faith. Yeah. Um, that faith didn't work for me. It led me to pretty, um, you know, pretty bad places. I felt. I was was definitely suicidal as a teenager and you know if you hear those kind of messages that you know who you are inherently at your core is something that's wrong you know of course that's going to lead you to some bad places. I'm lucky that I made it out and I'm lucky that uh, I think something inside me said hey no 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 that's wrong Um, you need to find better answers so um, so I did. And uh, I'm really happy I did. I'm really happy I stuck around because I would have missed all this.
0: <laughs> we are too. We are too. I, at, so, w- at what point did music become, you know, part of your life? W- was music, or were you involved in? It, or yeah, did you? I'm trying to find my voice again. <laughs> uh, oh, it's on this side. <laughs>
2: For people listening, she's trying to find the microphone that is literally on her head.
0: I'm used to it on this side, so I think, like, yes. you know, I'm just like, yeah, all right. So yeah, yeah, because you know, music's so healing, and so for a lot of people, if you're going through something super extreme, um, you're writing or you're expressing yourself.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I, I thank BMG from the bottom of my heart because when I was a kid, I joined the BMG Music Club, and I they send you 15 free CDs. And when you're a kid that doesn't have any money, that's really important. Um, so I had, you know, I had Def Leppard and Aerosmith and Elton John and Madonna as my my friends that I could rock out to when I was feeling like I was going crazy.
2: I want to go back to your choir teacher because he said that room was also where you told your dad.
1: Yes. How did, so, you, so how did this come about? Well, everything kind of hit, uh, came to a head in my high school years. I was a senior in high school. And she could tell I was going through something crazy. She was like, I'm calling your dad. He's coming to school and you're going to sit and talk to him. I think she probably knew what was going on. Um, Yeah. And I'll never forget it. I was just, I was, I was, you know, I had my eyes closed and I was shaking and I was sure if I told him the truth about me that, you know, the world would end and the sky would come down. And and, uh, I remember I just opened my eyes and I told him, I said, dad, I'm gay. And I, it took me forever to open my eyes and uh, I opened my eyes and he was just crying. And, uh, he was, he just hugged me, you know? Um, and I can't say that it was a super smooth road all the way through from there. Like we've definitely had a journey, you know, mm-hmm. cause it took him a long time to kind of understand, um, uh, me, but I'm really grateful that that's what I, that was my, you know, that's what I got as a response. Um, I wasn't as lucky on the mom side of things. She, it took her much longer to kind of figure things out. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll tell you that story some other time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Coming out in music and, you know, reading some of the articles and getting to know Matt on the internet, uh, there are a lot of articles that are like, out gay musician, songwriter, Matt Elber. And, of course, you know, there's part of like being an LGBTQ Mm. artist where people kind of hitched on to being one of the first or being known as an LGBTQ artist. I'd love to hear how that came about, how you felt, you know, being known as in, in a gay artist versus an artist?
1: Well, um, I'm, I've always been gay, and <laughs> that's all I know. So uh, being called a gay singer songwriter just feels supernatural, and um, not supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is supernatural enough. No, I've always, that's just always been who I am. So I, I've never had a problem with being called that. But was there a time before you became
2: known as as publicly gay that people would make the assumption that you're straight? Such as I don't know this woman who contacted Michelle.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I've never I've never been in the closet as a musician. Okay. So just from the very get go, I started. I mean, if you listen to any of my songs. There's, it's pretty clear right from, the I'm talking about boys a lot.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, yeah it's and I, either you're gay or you're a priest or you're both. <laughs> uh, no, and I, I've uh, people, I think some people have asked me that, oh, aren't you worried about boxing yourself in or something or closing yourself off to a whole community? I was like, no, no, not at all, you know. Well, we've asked
2: this question to others who, who performers, artists, actors, directors, etc. And it's always kind of a have you ever experienced discrimination professionally or do you think you've maybe not had opportunities that, in other words, you never were told you didn't get this job because you're gay, but maybe someone just didn't think you were right for it. And so, you know, hmm.
1: has, do you think it's affected you professionally? It totally has in the best way. Um, you know, before I started writing my own stories into my life, I was, um, you know, I was performing as a classical singer and then I had a short period of time where I was trying to be a country singer I wanted to be Tim McGraw really bad Um, and I went on the reboot of Star Search that lasted about five seconds and (laughs) promptly lost and thank god I lost because then I started just writing in my own voice yeah Um, so to answer your question it has profoundly impacted my life to be just honest and open about who I am because I just have been embraced from the get-go that's great
0: country you know, it's interesting as I, I told you i was i've been listening to your music for about a week now um we we got word that you're going to be here with us before your performances this weekend which by the way friday is sold out
1: i think friday sold out
0: wow yeah. congrats well, saturday also <laughs> awesome. we
1: sell tickets for saturday it's
0: yeah, awesome um and we'll let people know you, you got to get your tickets before saturday is sold out uh but I, there was this, there's this mm-hmm. grit in your voice that I love, but then it's like, it's not like this grit where it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm angry and I'm feeling your music. It's like this grit and it's so romantic. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're, you as you were saying, you write you know a lot of songs, um, you know, being out, uh, talking about guys, talking about love. And one article I read, you like to perform to gay guys who are in love.
1: I totally do. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty sweet. You look out and there's like heads on shoulders, and sometimes it's two heads on one shoulder. Like, you know, I, I don't care how many are in your group of love. I'm <laughs> just happy to see it. You said after the the
2: flirtation with country, you found your own voice and, and wrote songs. Describe in your own words what is your
1: voice in your music. Oh gosh, I mean, I think your own voice is just when you stop trying to sound like anyone else, which is kind of a tough thing to do as a singer um uh, i kind of grew up as a chameleon singer you know where i was i was really good at sounding like everybody else yeah and when i finally put that down i was like well what happens if i just sing and uh I, it's a pretty scary thing to do
2: but uh, really rewarding we've certainly found success at it is it easier to do
1: than oh uh, maybe it's a lifelong process yeah yeah i think so Um, When I first started writing songs, I really wanted to be Tim McGraw or Rufus Wainwright um, because I love Rufus Wainwright and Mm -hmm. the way he writes. And Mm -hmm. I I really admire him as a songwriter. So um, I think when I go back and listen to early early days, I was like, oh, that kid was listening to a lot of Rufus Wainwright. (laughs) But that's all right. You know, you you change and evolve over time.
0: Well, welcome back to San Francisco. San Francisco is a special place, I think, for you. It kind of brings you back to the beginning
1: Oh, yeah. I I got out of Missouri and moved straight here when I was right out of college. And I'll never forget that first day of work for Chanticleer where I got my bus schedule out and I was like, oh, I'm going to take public transportation and I'm going to figure out my route. (laughs) And I went and stood on the corner um, up by... uh, the pacific medical center and i was like or oh it was a scott and waller that's where it was and i took the bus from scott and waller four blocks (laughs) (laughs) and got off and promptly walked i was like okay i gotta walk the whole (laughs) um but uh beyond my public transport dumb stories um san francisco was the first place i felt normal and walking around the city and seeing people like me and seeing that it was okay to just be yourself out in the world was I'll um, I'll always be grateful to San Francisco for that. Well,
2: I don't know if you want to go into more about your, your Chanticleer years. What was that like? Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, you know, Chanticleer is a classical a cappella men's group, which is super weird. <laughs> it's not very many of those around. Uh, but it was a. It was kind of like my grad school. So I got to sing with, you know, eleven other guys. We wore tuxedos and hold held very classical music folders and toured around everywhere between, you know, tiny little concert halls and the sticks of America to the best ones in Tokyo and everything in between. And uh, it was an amazing experience. I, my favorite part of Chanticleer was when we got to go work with students. Um, cause we spent about, you know, a good third of our year meeting with young people in classrooms, uh, which is where I first saw Chanticleer. They came to my college and did oh. a concert and. You know, they got up with, you know, sleepy eyed and did a concert for us at, you know, 11 a.m., which was, now I realize, is very early for (laughs) any concert giver. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, I sang with Chanticleer here for five years. We made seven records together. Uh, Two of them won Grammy Awards. Uh, But the best thing I took away from it was, uh, you know, 11 friendships that I carry with me today. And why did you leave? Something in here was like, okay, I could stay in Chanticleer for a long time. It's kind of like the Supreme Court in some ways. <laughs> like Once you're in, you, you could probably stay. Yeah. Um, but something told me I should probably start writing what's going on in my life. and So in my apartment that, uh, in the Castro, it overlooked the Beck's Motor Lodge across the street um, from on Market Street, which did not look near as nice back then. <laughs> um, but my, I remember I'd sit there with my guitar and I'd be, I'd be writing and looking out the window and... I'd see all kind of activity across the way. And I was like, I need to shut my curtains. This is distracting. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I, I'm, ima- I'm giggling because I'm imagining your place is probably a lot taller now with a skyro you know what I mean? It's probably a condo now. You know the, what? The Castro has changed.
1: <laughs> I just walked by the place and I just looked at my window. It's, they haven't torn it down. It's the same, oh, same building. Oh, good. Yeah.
0: Oh, good. Um, Speaking of leaving Chanticleer, San Francisco, and bring up, you know, this is, it's almost like coming home to you in a way. I mean, it, it's really, you started writing, you, you talked, you were alluding to what was going on with you, um, and it kind of was the beginning of your solo career, right?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I did my very first concert at a store that is now moved to Hayes Valley, but it's called the Nancy Boy Store, which is a beautiful store. And if you've never been to Nancy Boy, go in, because they sell the most beautifully smelling bath salts and soaps, and they even sell furniture, and you don't want to leave that store. Well, my friend Eric, I used to go and sit on the, they had this light blue, powder blue couch, and Eric Owned the store, and he was kind of my psychologist. And I would say, Eric, he dumped me. <laughs> you know, and I would Cry on the couch or Eric, I dumped him. Uh, and he told me, he was like, look, you just made your first record. I'm going to clear all the furniture out of here and we're going to use this as your first concert space. So um, it's now the Kenneth Wingard, Wingard store. But uh, it used to be called the Nancy Boy store, and that's where I got my first concert. And what was it like that first time with people just there for you oh it was super scary and incredibly exciting yeah. uh, i i'll never forget that night um my dad even came we had spent a couple of years not speaking i told you it was kind of a rough road yeah um that night was the first time i'd seen my dad in, in a couple of years and talked to him and i remember he got off the f market streetcar and hugged me and that was the beginning of our the rest of our relationship you know um it was a super amazing night I later learned that Sylvester had once performed in that room, Wow, because it used to be a club, I think. so I was like, my first <laughs> stage was Sylvester. <laughs>
0: wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so the first song, can we talk about that? like you sure. know, what you we were going through, what the song is about or who?
1: Oh, um well, you know the the very first <laughs> record I made uh, in that apartment on, on Market Street was called nonchalant. Um, I made it with my really good friend Jeff who had a studio in Noe Valley. So I would uh, tootle up to his place and record vocals and then come back to my studio and listen to them. And I remember I'd I'd walk down the streets of Noe Valley with my headphones on. and This place is just such a magical city. You know, it's like there's no better place to write a record than San Francisco. Um, But yeah, I was basically writing about um, trying to stay in love. You know, I was a young, I was in my 20s and I hadn't learned a lot about love yet. I just knew that I felt a lot of it. I made a lot of mistakes, unfortunately. But that's what songs are for.
0: I'm kind of nosy. I mean, uh, yeah, that's I have that a show, and I kind of want to know, I mean, what those first relationships were kind of like for Matt in San Francisco and oh, man. and talking about gay love. Uh, and I think that there's something to it in which when we start talking about our relationships and our love, people always take stuff out of it uh, that it's like any other love out there, and then there are unique things about it.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, after living, I guess, after living in the closet and, you know, trying to pray my gay away and uh, landing in San Francisco was just like a pop-up book. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, this I can actually live here. Um, So I did. I fell in love hard um, a few times here. Um, I fell in love with uh, a guy named Jeff, who was uh, I met him at the Sundance Saloon, which is a place where if you want to go see the best, gay country western club in the world go to Sundance Saloon. Like 200 guys show up every week and spin each other around in cowboy boots. And, um, so he, he literally swept me off my feet and um, I wrote um, many songs about our relationship. I wrote a song called End of the World about us trying to sort of keep it together. Um, and then uh, I ended up falling in love with my roommate in that Apartment across the street from Bex Motor Lodge. You know so much about me now. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, but yeah, I fell in love with with my roommate Joe, and uh, we uh, ended up moving to LA together. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I've loved a lot in San Francisco.
0: I always love also when when the the gays the queers share our love stories. There there's crossover between the gays and the lesbian stories as well. But that was very lesbian of you.
1: I've I've, I've been <laughs> accused. Uh, this Is this episode brought to you by
2: U-Haul? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, so what was it like the first time you introduced
1: one of your boyfriends to your father or both of your parents? You know, my folks have been amazing. Yeah, they've been very, uh, very accepting and welcoming. I, I, shoot, when I came out to my dad, I forgot that I actually had a boyfriend back then. <laughs> I was very resourceful. There was no smartphones or Internet, but I found a way to to find love even as a 18 year old in st louis um and i remember i came out to my dad and then the next day i told him i had a boyfriend oh, no. and then the next day i said and if you have a problem with that i'll move in with him and he was like no 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 <laughs> <laughs> let's have him over for dinner <laughs> and then i realized what a mistake that was <laughs> uh it was the most awkward dinner i think i've ever had um but you know kudos to my dad for yeah. inviting inviting him over
0: I want to talk about uh, this album, um, the recent one, and and kind of where where you're at with it. And I'm guessing there's a whole lot of your personal experiences as well. It's kind of been your journey and your the way that you write songs.
1: Well, yeah, the last so the last two records I put out, one was called Wind, Sand, Stars, and that was a uh, you know another sort of singer songwriter record of of my. My loves and my passions, and then uh, I put out a record just this past year, um, which is a tribute to Mel Torme, because I am a huge Mel Torme fan. Um, so, ever, I, did you ever meet him? I never got to meet him, oh, but um, I hear that there's somebody in the audience that's friends with his son, so I might elbow him to introduce him. <laughs> uh, you know, so I recreated a Mel Torme record called Swinging on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, I renamed my version of it, How High the Moon, which is my favorite song on the album. Um, And that record uh, benefits an El Sistema music program, which is, El Sistema is, uh, they exist all over the country, but they basically give free music lessons to kids who would never, otherwise never get them. And some very famous people have come out of El Sistema. Um, Dudamel, uh, who directs the LA Philharmonic, was an El Sistema kid, um, just to name one. So if people want to check out what I sound like as a jazz crooner, you can put my name into iTunes or Spotify and look for the picture of me in a blue tuxedo. Okay. Go ahead.
0: No, I I, uh, I wanted to to ask about you brought up uh, you know youth and throughout your career, your audience has also I think evolved with you and grown. I mean, and you've done a lot as far as uh, bringing out the youth, being out, talking about LGBTQ, being an amazing advocate for our community, and you have a project, a documentary, actually, in which you work with LGBTQ youths. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: I'm so glad you asked me about that. We, uh, my, my good friend John and I in uh, Portland... I moved to Portland, by the way. That's where I live now. Um, and while I was... Performing in Portland, I met this amazing youth choir called Bridging Voices. And they are a free, unauditioned choir. So if you want to be in Bridging Voices, you just show up. Um, and kids drive from hours around, uh, just to be there every Sunday to feel normal. Um, and they're an incredible choir. Um, we did a concert together. And then I said, gosh, would it be cool if everybody got to meet Bridging Voices and see what it's like to be a queer teenager today? And I thought, well, I probably couldn't introduce everybody, but we could definitely, you know, put some cameras on them. And the idea kind of snowballed really quickly. And um, after two years of working, we have created a free seven-part documentary series called Room to Grow, which everybody can watch even today uh, for free um, on an app called Reverie. And it's kind of like, a gay Netflix, but it's free. So it's R-E-V-R-Y, Reverie. Uh, If you go to reverie.tv, um or just type in Room to Grow into the internet and gay. It comes right up. Uh, so we made a seven part series following uh, seven amazing kids and their families. Um, there are trans kids, there's non-binary kids, there's um, pansexual kids. Um, everywhere on the spectrum is is represented. And if you want to know what it's like to be a queer teenager, you should totally watch Room to Grow. Um, it was an incredible experience making it. Uh, we made a film version of it, too, because we couldn't fit all the kids into the series. The film premiered at Outfest in L.A., which is one of the premier um, LGBT film festivals, and it's um, about ready to be released to the public.
0: How did the? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well,
1: I was just going to ask,
2: how does that feel to see teenagers out at a time when when you were that age? Think it was so much different, and and I mean, do you, do you, are you jealous of them? Happy for them? I'm maybe you know. I mean, what is it? Or do they have? Other conflicts that, that they're having to deal with that maybe you didn't have to.
1: Well, you know, our goal of the series was to show what it's what it's what it's like to look at families who are trying to do it right. Yeah, you know, we know what it's like when they're when they don't have the support. We all know how bad that is. Um, but so we chose families who have parents that are supportive or on their way there. Mm-hmm. And what I was shocked to learn was that even though um, they are out and even though they have something like Bridging Voices to go to. Um, even those kids suffer with severe anxiety and depression really? because of the large message that you get from society as a whole. One of our kids, uh, his name is Riley. Uh, when we met, he was 16. He lives in the middle of nowhere, Washington, um, in a place called Battleground, of all places. Um, Riley, you know, if you drive through Battleground, it's pretty. You'll see lots of guns and ammo stores and paintball and. Um, you know, train tracks going through the middle of the town, that kind of place, um, which is actually it's, it's a really beautiful town. But I can't imagine being a trans kid there. Um, and Riley, on top of it, is also um, a, he loves his country so much. and His parents have a military background and he's in the ROTC program. Hmm. So if you go watch the film, you'll get to meet a trans teenager who's holding the American flag on a football field on a high school in Missouri and find out or on a high school in uh, Washington. And you'll find out what it's like to be him.
0: Hmm. I wanted to ask about, I mean, because that was my question, by the way. Dang it. You're
1: you. welcome. No.
0: <laughs> but the, the impact. Doing your that job it, for you yet again. <laughs> the impact that it had on you and just watching today's youth um, and the amount of bullying that's still there, if and kind of like what you're. Your feelings are because you're a mentor now not just through your music but you yourself
1: well I I saw my job as the guy who's supposed to hold the microphone up and hold the camera up and make sure it's in focus because the message that these kids have is uh, strong enough to carry all of their peers through all of this uh, I feel like all of the answers li- lie in in their hearts and that there are a lot of adults probably arguing about what the rights should be and what who should get to use what bathroom and who's allowed to do what. And if you just listen to these kids say who they are, what they're going through, and what they need, um, I feel like it would all be much clearer. So that's that's our goal. And I was, I am continually inspired by them. Um, by making a film together in a series, we all became family and so we talk all the time and we text an Instagram story. Now I know how to do Instagram stories, <laughs> thanks to them uh, and I, I, they are my, pretty much my only hope for the future. You know I see them, and the way that they are with each other, you know we, we found kids from all over the different, different parts of the country, and they all got to meet in Los Angeles and they formed an instant family you know in five minutes, they were like, "All right, what are your pronouns?" How do I talk to you? What do I call you? Okay, great. They ditched us. They all went to 7-Eleven together. Um, And I was like, I I don't ever remember having it easy a time of connecting with kids when I was that age. So they are incredibly advanced in terms of creating a family network.
2: Do you see yourself doing more filmmaking like this? Or was this a one-time get this
1: message out this no i love making films now it's like uh it's my new addiction (laughs) uh i'm sober and i'm in recovery but i can totally get addicted to filmmaking uh yeah i'm working on another film right now about a woman named terry she used to be uh, a member of the wwe and she now is a body worker healer um so we're working on a film together right now (laughs) you can't stop me now
0: So how does it feel to sell out in, in uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean the show.
1: <laughs> I love how you asked that.
0: Um, truly. I mean the show. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. Coming back to San Francisco, selling out on a Friday night. And again, uh, if you are just catching the show now or listening, um, there's still space on Saturday. So if you plan to go see Matt Elber, you definitely got to grab your tickets right away. Give but,
1: the URL for Feinstein's. Is it? You know what? The easiest way is you go to madalbert.com slash tour. Very good. There you and go. all the yeah. all info is right there. Yeah. Um,
0: um, but yeah, how does it feel to sell out in, in, in San Francisco?
1: I'm always shocked when anyone buys a ticket to any of my shows. <laughs> I just always <laughs> figure they're going to be empty. <laughs> and then when I show up and there's people there, I'm, it makes me happy. So yeah, I'm I'm overjoyed.
2: Do you think there will be a lot of people there you who were, you knew from when you lived here? I thought you were
1: going to ask me if there were a lot of people that I had slept with. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite possible. <laughs> <laughs> I have no regrets. Uh, no, I, I I already know that there are some wonderful friends. Sure. Um, and actually, my dad's coming on Friday night. So wow. if you want to meet my dad, you come Friday and you give him a hug.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, about your, uh, you know, being... A mentor for youths, but also the singer. For many of us in the LGBTQ community, we connect with, and and we're there, you know, as part of your audience, as your fans, and we understand everything that you're saying. It's almost like you're singing for us to us, oh, and, yeah. and we, we travel with you in that way. And you're a brother, you're a friend, you're a neighbor. Um, that's what it feels like when listening to your songs, and. So, is it always super extra special when you have a huge crowd of LGBTQ fans who are singing along with you?
1: Oh man, it's a it's a dream job. <laughs> I mean, I get to. I mean, I never had when I was a kid. I you know, like I told you, I had Madonna, I had Elton John, I had Def Leppard, but you know, Elton John wasn't out yet, and I I had to switch all the pronouns and all the songs to kind of make them relatable. And I just thought, well what if you don't have to switch the pronouns? And that's why I started writing songs. So the fact that people come up to me and say things like, we fell in love to your music, or my partner passed away and your music got me through it. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know how to describe the feeling other than just grateful.
2: Do you hear from closeted musicians who
1: ask you, how do you do it? Uh, I have, yeah. I'm in touch with quite a few people, not even just musicians. Um, There's a friend of mine who's a, He's a closeted uh, gay guy who's married and he has uh, kids and he's a youth pastor and he's, you know, we're sort of pen pals and I've been kind of like encouraging him to, you know, come out. And I think he's just about ready to, and um, which is pretty brave, you know. Um, it's weird. It's 2019, but in some ways it's still 1942, you know, like we still have like depending on what your environment is or yeah. what your community is it may all of this time passing may not have made it any easier for you um, and I think that's what I learned most about hanging out with these kids it's like life for gay adults or queer adults has gotten way better um, if you're 13 or 14 however your whole world is dictated by the adults around you and we have to make it safer for them you know if, if we're not making it safer every day then we're failing them um, because the fact is many of them don't make it. Um, so I, I want all of them to make it. So.
0: I was going to ask, not just, you know, maybe somebody that's closeted in the industry, but somebody who comes to your show, um, and it not, might not be closeted, but might be, be new, or, you know, don't know that you're gay. I'm sure you get that.
1: Oh, gosh. If you don't know I'm gay, <laughs> you figure it out really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I, no I do I, I I hang out after every show and I try to say hello to everyone cuz that's my favorite part is just getting to shake hands and give hugs and and hear where people are at. Um so yeah, I um, I I hope that if you come to my show and you're in the closet you'll decide to come out by the end of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um well, you know, we have a an audience and the we audience definitely has a chance to ask you questions. I, I will continue being nosy. There's a couple more questions that I have for you. Okay. I mean, you're, you know, you're back home, so I might as well ask, and there's probably people who will tune in who know you, and they probably have nosy questions. Okay. But They don't get to ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give the audience a chance. If you have a question for, for Matt, um, we'll take them. I just wanted to ask what precipitated your move to Portland.
1: Oh, well, as I've said before, I fell in love and moved with a, with a fellow. <laughs> um, we, yeah, we moved to Portland together, and we didn't end up staying together, but we both loved Portland. And um, while I wish I could live in San Francisco, I can't afford it. <laughs> so uh, I have a cute little house with a yard in Portland, and um, Southwest Airlines makes it really easy to pop down here a bunch. So that's why I moved to Portland. Anyone else?
2: I have a question. You've mentioned some of the other singers you used to want to be. Um, who are, and this is, this is like one of those most basic questions you ask an, uh, an artist, but still it's always, I love hearing the answers. Who do you like to listen to yourself? I mean, who, who are the people you're like, whether it's just because you really enjoy their music or even, God, I want I
1: want to do what he's doing or she's doing. Let's see. Uh, some of my favorite artists, um, right now are uh, Amy Ray she's half of the Indigo Girls she has a new album out called Holler which is a straight up bluegrass country album by an amazing lesbian Um, and she has an incredible band so if go see Amy Ray's show she's incredible my friend Dan is her keyboard player Um, I love listening to Dua Lipa she's Mm -hmm. a young pop artist uh, D-U-A-L-I-P-A I do push-ups to her music every morning. She gets me going and happy. Um, I'm doing a cover of one of her songs um, this weekend at the shows. So if you love Dua Lipa, come listen to her. She has one of the sexiest songs in the whole world called New Rules. Um, And I also love listening to my brother. My brother's band is called Deep Dark Blue. And you can find him on the internet if you type in Deep Dark Blue. Uh, He composed and scored all the music to Room to Grow um so beautiful dreamy um electronic music uh with a lot of heart and soul
0: humanness I'll keep going yeah, yeah. so back to those nosy questions um oh no, <laughs> no I'm just kidding okay I'm moving sweating. to portland <laughs> I hear a lot of love that you have for San Francisco, which many of us do who live here, and many of us are trying to claw our way into staying here now. And you, it sounds like, even early on, um, just packed up and said, "I'm okay with it," because I, I, I get a cute little house up in Portland, and South you know Southwest Airlines makes it easy for me to fly back and forth. Um, but. We kind of brought it up. There are new condos, developments, and I asked this question a lot and how that makes people feel and leaving it behind, but also still loving the city.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I think this is one of those places where it's like because I got to be myself and find out what that felt like here, there is a piece of me that just always feels like this is where I belong. Um, so I come, I sing here every year, usually at least once or twice. Um, and I, 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 put in days before this trip and after so I can stay extra um I love sitting at coffee shops in the Castro and literally running into friends that I met when I was 22 and there's something magic about this place where people you know people stay and um definitely my heart has stayed here even though you know my musical journey has taken me I had to go some other places I had to go to LA and and meet people there and make a music video. And I had to go to Portland to, you know, go hole away in a little house so I could write songs in the basement. Um, but I, I really appreciate you all keeping the city alive and making it such a special place. I mean, we're looking out the window at, one of the most beautiful views I can imagine of the Bay Bridge, you know. Um, and, yeah, and that's our number two bridge. <laughs> it's my number it's one bridge. Famous. I always love the Bay Bridge.
0: From uh, China, our number two bridge from China. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, China. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned, like, you used to look out the window from your apartment in the cash room. There was, like, a lot of stuff that was going on, and it's like, no, I got to focus. Well, that's a lot such of a PG that-
1: version of that story. I love it.
0: <laughs> a lot of that... The the activity and the action, um, you know, it's decreased a lot. Like if now, if you looked out that same window, you might see uh, babies being pushed around in 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 strollers, which is is not bad.
1: Well, let's hope they're gay babies. <laughs> let's <help laughs> their
0: gay babies. Um hope they're gay babies. So I kind of would love to hear your perspective on that. If that at all makes you feel anything, I know you know some folks think it's it's kind of sad because it's not the same Castro as it used uh-huh. to be, but. At the same time, I mean, I think these are all you know symbols of the the the, the fight right the the progress that we were looking for to to be included in society
1: well i my my short answer is that I still feel all of the queer power and love here right when I hit the ground um, and I feel like that's embraced by all of the amazing straight people who also love it and and like encourage it, and they create that space too without our allies, we would probably fold, you know, in terms of being able to keep our, keep our neighborhood and keep our place. So even though the neighborhood may change and shift, I think there's a lot about it that I wanted to change when I lived here. I mean, there were some things I didn't, I didn't love about the Castro and those things I think are better. Um, it might be hard if I still lived in the village and watching, you know, my favorite places turn over, but you know, that's, I just look at it like, that's life. The change is going to happen. And, the real heart of any community is just the people living there and as long as there is a respect for the history of you know gosh i remember when when um, the supreme court finally struck down the sodomy laws for example you know and it was finally like nationwide gay sex was finally decriminalized you know and i'm jumping up and down at Castro market and crying and screaming with my friends and that's the same street that they held you know vigils for our fallen ones and um, you know the celebrations of the joys and challenges uh, you know I think that just gets sewn into the city in a way that can never leave, no matter what happens to the storefronts. I think San Francisco
2: is a lot like Matt, and what I mean as talking about the the woman who might come to your show and and not knowing you were gay would learn it very quickly. Any straight person who moves to San Francisco, they learn pretty quickly that this is a very important part of the DNA here um, so. That's my analogy of the day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're just about to wind down and oh you're gosh. going to play a song for us. I talk too us. much, sorry.
2: No, <laughs> well, we I want. talk too much. Are we already um, at the end?
0: No, no. I I mean, we, ha- we have a couple more questions before you play for us. But I'd love to hear, I mean, did you did you already pick a song that you're going to play today?
1: Yes, I have one in mind. Um, let's see. I, so I wrote this. It's one of the first songs I wrote. I wrote it here in San Francisco. So I thought that would that'd be cool. Um When I was a kid, before I came out, and I still knew I had crushes on my schoolmates, um, you know, I had those butterflies on my stomach and, you know, sitting next to... um, I remember my my friend Neil when I was in sixth grade. I had a big crush on Neil. And um, I looked forward to this one specific day every year because it was the one day we all took a field trip to go see the Nutcracker Suite. So we all got on buses and went downtown St. Louis to Powell Symphony Hall and... You know, Pound Symphony Hall was expansive and covered in red velvet and crystal chandeliers. And um, because it was so big and it was downtown, you know, just like everybody, ha- the instructions you get when you're on a field trip is that you have to have oh. a field trip buddy. So you hold hands all day to make sure you don't get lost. And that was a very exciting day for me <laughs> because I got to hold hands with Neil all day. Um, so I wrote a song you know, all these years later about. That experience, um, and it's called Field Trip Buddy.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so cute! Yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, wow, <laughs> Field Trip Buddy. Um, I, I, you mentioned you know being out in the street and 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 when these big laws you know they crumble and and more equality gets passed. You know, in 2013 when we got federal marriage equality, I don't know where you are at, but here in San Francisco, it was, it was mm. so. Gosh, people were, you know, spilling out into the street. It was right around pride. Uh, The courthouse was filled. I mean, it was just, I can't describe it, you know, in words. And so I wanted to ask about, um, yeah, you know, when federal marriage, uh, we got federal marriage that day. Where were you? What were you feeling?
1: um i think that day i was actually on tour somewhere so i was i didn't get to be around all my tribe but i remember just being on the phone all day <laughs> with um my friends and I, I still remember that feeling you know of it was a it was a huge that was a huge day um uh, it's it's funny because it's bittersweet for me because i think gosh um you know i spent like a couple of years listening to what it's like to be a queer teenager and you know we have so far to go for them um I don't feel like our job will be done until there's a gay-straight alliance at every school, or a QSA, or whatever you want to call it—a place that you can go, feel normal, and be accepted. Uh, until that exists in every school, um, I'm I'm just going to keep pounding the pavement uh, because honestly, I, 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 I think I said it earlier, but we're we're just losing so many of them. Yeah, you know, it's—I uh, don't want to bring the show down, but it's it's. We're just losing them, and uh, there's no reason in this day and age why we can't stand up and demand safer environments for all of our kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You've mentioned your tour. Where, for folks who
1: aren't here and can't make it to Feinstein's, where are you going to be next? Oh, let's see. Um, I'm getting ready to perform at a couple of gay weddings, which you're not invited to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, maybe you are. Who knows? Um, but I'll be performing this summer in Provincetown at Bear Week in, uh, on the Cape Cod. And I'll be in New York City just before that at Joe's Pub. Um, and before that, I'm just going to be home making films. So. Wow, we we come, come to see those. you the, on the East Coast.
0: Wait, so I brought up marriage equality, and then you know you're going to do a couple weddings, and you remember I said I was nosy. I just yes. wanted to know like where's marriage at in your life and world. And
1: um, let's see. Well, I am currently single, um, but you know I'm totally open to it. <laughs> uh,
0: so so
2: prospective husbands should go to madalbert.com. <laughs> Is there a form to fill out? Upload a photo?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> uh, no. The prospective husbands should just come should come say hello. <laughs>
0: so you had a bear, the, did you say you're playing at a bear weekend?
1: Oh, yeah. There's something called Bear Week that oh. happens on Cape Cod every year. Um, and it's they really should just call it Beard Week because you don't have to be Bear sized to go. Uh it's yeah, you know, it's a place where, you know, about ten thousand um handsome beardy gay guys descend on at the end of Cape Cod. Um, and if you've never been to Provincetown, I highly recommend you taking a trip because it is the San Francisco of the East Coast.
0: Well, I mean maybe they don't they won't go to Mattelbert.com as prospective husbands, but maybe bear week. Where are you in the bear spectrum? <laughs>
1: Um, I'm making my way there quickly. (laughs) If I keep eating as much ice cream and pizza as I do. Uh, No, I definitely feel part of the the whole bear community. They're they're lovely, roly-poly, huggy, cuddly guys, and um, I'm happy to be one of them.
0: Well, we're about to hear Matt perform Field Trip, Um, but if you have a question, we will take your last opportunities to ask Matt your questions, because... (laughs) We'll end the show with this great song. Any questions? Oh, they're just dying to hear you sing. Okay. Well, yeah. let me
1: make sure this thing sounds like it's in tune here. Yeah, I love singing this song. This was the one. This is the one that I wrote in that uh, bedroom apartment overlooking Beck's Motor Lodge. Uh, and okay, all right. Here's Peel trip, buddy.
3: Fingers clenching the plastic handle Of the lunchbox on the seat I saved for you And kicking off the clumps of snow Still clinging to my Velcros I wonder if you remember you said You'd be my field trip Find all by ourselves if you would be my field trip, buddy. I promise I won't tell anybody else. Oh, the places we'll find all by ourselves if you would be my field trip, buddy. I promise I won't tell anybody else. You know they always want you to please stay together and hold hands Our instructions before entering the symphony hall It's not the chandelier circus that's making me nervous Your hands playing orchestras against mine Oh, the places we'll find all by ourselves if you would be my field trip, buddy I promise I won't tell anybody else Oh, no, 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 no The Blazers will find all by ourselves If you would be my field trip, buddy I promise I won't tell anybody else Oh lights are going down now And everyone's secretly hoping they never come back on Balancing elbows You keep pressing so slowly I can't be making this up And the sugar plums Turn to cotton candy In my periphery Our forehead's so close and right there in the back row, for seeing a standing ovation, we promise to be each other's field trip buddy. Oh, places we'll find all by ourselves if you. Be my field trip buddy. I promise I won't tell anybody else. All oh, 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 oh. places we'll find all by ourselves. If you would be my field trip buddy, I promise I won't tell anybody else. Won't tell nobody else.
1: You kind of, you kind of. Thank no, you so much oh my for my having gosh. me on the uh, show. I'm a huge fan of yours, by the way. Thank you for telling our stories and um, keeping these lines open um, and for having me here today.
0: You're going to make me cry. <laughs> You're already going to make me cry with the Field Trip Buddy song just because it brought me back to, like, you know, five, six years old, seven, eight. and But at that time, I was just so afraid to, to To think about any of the the girls that I wanted to hold hands with, and so I just kind of fantasize about. John already knows
2: Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: No, Susan Lucci. Because <laughs> 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 it was the only thing I could watch after school.
2: So this this Neil was that the boy's name. Oh, he was one of many. Yes. Yeah,
1: but but <laughs> I had crushes on many. Boys. Has he ever heard this song? You know, I don't know. I should look him up on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That would be kind of uh, uh, funny and creepy at the same time.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I wrote a song about
0: that. <laughs> so creepy.
2: <laughs> if you uh, like it, go to madelber.com, fill out know. the form, submit your photo. <laughs>
0: Besides, you know, playing for an awesome crowd, a sold-out show here in San Francisco, any great big plans while you're... Oh, uh,
1: well, since you guys ordered up all this sunshine, I think I'm going to take a long stroll around the Embarcadero. I might just try to go. There's a cool pier right out there that I like to go out. I see some people out there might go take a selfie and play a song to the Bay Bridge.
0: I want to tell you something, you know, today uh, I'm I'm just super off. This week was rough for me personally and feeling like, you know, just a lot of things that you were talking about. Your music really helped me through it. Uh, the emotions. And, and yes, LGBTQ, it's much easier now, even as an LGBTQ adult, but there's still some underlying things that come up every now and then. And you touch on it um, with the, the film or the series that you created in some of your songs, uh, and just talking, and that are these feelings of, you know, depression, or sometimes feeling like, you just got to keep going with who you are and who you are is just incredibly amazing. And so you being here um has really centered me and, and, and brought me back to that. And as we end the program, we had just experienced you right here at the Commonwealth Club perform for us. If you wouldn't mind leaving us, you know, just uh, some – Words of encouragement for, for everyone else out there, e- even myself, uh, who got the awesome opportunity to sit next to you and, and feel you pretty much saved my life this week.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it is my great honor. I think we save each other's lives all the time. Um, I'm, I'm learning a lot in my old age <laughs> that uh, reaching out to each other um, and just being honest with what's going on in your life um, it doesn't have to be a four-hour phone call. It could just be like a, uh, you know, just you know, you have to make a choice. I think every time, do I put a face on, or do I just show my real self, um, and as messy and ugly and uh, as that can be? And I think I'm learning that every time you choose just to be really present and just say, "Yep, this is me," you know, warts and all. This is exactly what's going on. I'm totally freaked out about the world right now. Somehow, you feel instantly better, just by. Being honest with somebody else, so um, I—that's—that's that's what I'm trying to practice in my in my life all the time now.
0: Matt Elber, everyone. <laughs> so we're we're very sorry, but Friday night's show is sold out. You can still get your tickets. Do it right now because uh, it's just Saturday night. Yeah. that might there are a few seats left. So easiest thing to do is go to mattelber.com. And get your tickets. We can't wait for the next time we come back to San Francisco and then sell out all again. (laughs) And hear you perform again.
1: Well, next time we have to do a duet. (laughs) How about that?
0: Oh my gosh, that's fun! Uh, I'll be on the other side. I can play the tambourine. um, And and I like (laughs) I like to karaoke. My wife is laughing at me because I was teaching her how to sing "Shallow." Um, Wait, your and wife is a singer, too. Right? She's a singer, yeah. yeah. A it's just English. You know, she's just learning English, and so she laughs at me because I was like, you gotta have the facial expressions, so I have to admit, your facial expressions were everything that I was trying to teach her, so she's probably back there like... <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, thank God this is only audio.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for, for those who are just tuning... Yeah, you, you're listening. I was trying to do facial expressions. You could go to uh, Facebook at... And, you know Michelle Meow and you'll see the live. That's what I was trying to do. Move the muscles in your face and you can say certain words better. But Matt, they were they were just <laughs> the best. The best. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for joining us here at the Commonwealth Club. Every Thursday we're here to tape the Michelle Meow show, which airs on progressive voices, and then we put the podcast up at Commonwealth Club great big 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 names coming up so check the schedule at Commonwealth Club slash MMS next week we're doing two programs we have James Lapine who's the original um, uh, the uh, Yes, the creator of Falsettos on Broadway, so that's super huge. I'm nervous about about that. Um, just as, adds, same nervousness, you know, in meeting that Albert. Oh no,
1: be French. way more nervous. No.
0: <laughs> 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 and and then Thursday, the cast of The Great Leap, which is playing now at the ACT Theater, and that includes B.D. Wong, Ari Gra, uh, uh, sorry Gross, and uh, Tim Liu. Yeah, yeah. Um, they'll be here with us. So. Thanks again for being here with us. We'll see you next time. All right. Oh. Thanks for joining us for the Michelle Meow Show, your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between. We're here every Thursday live at the Commonwealth Club, and you can listen to past shows at
2: commonwealthclub.org slash MMS.